Cash flow is the biggest and the most important concept a company needs to have at a very early stage. And for that, even if you have to go by yourself and do a weekly cash flow plan yourself, even to just very simple one, just to track down what your net burn is, because if you do it in your head, you you will forget stuff. It's, it will never happen. It will never be tangible enough, factual enough, dependable enough. You have to do it in a spreadsheet and just record it every day, every week, and make sure that you're hitting all those marks. And then also make sure that you're hitting your revenue goals because otherwise you will go negative, you can go bankrupt, you will lose your business. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and I'm pretty excited about our topic today because it is something that I have struggled with, like in my earlier days. It's something I take very, very seriously. It's something that even though I do branding work um, and employer branding and things like that, I often see that there's challenges in this area and I'm like, okay, we got to address this first. Otherwise, everything else that we do is just going to be on a shaky foundation. So um, as we all know, I have nothing to do with picking our guests. Um, Amy on my team does all of that and she always picks the best people ever and I get so excited that I get to meet them. It's like Christmas Um, and this is uh, definitely one of those people that I'm excited to now have in my world. So let me tell you about our guest today. Alejandra Santos is the founder and CEO of Startup Tandem. Her organization helps entrepreneurs build well-grounded, high-performing organizations, positioning their financials for an exit, and continuously mentoring teams to help promote and maintain ethical practices for growth. Now, we're going to unpack all that and what it means. But first, Alejandra, welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amber, for having me on board. I'm also very excited. Yeah. So you've you've been a little of everywhere. You have a little of every degree. Like you've been um, New York, DC, Honduras, like Orlando. Like you've 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 you're a woman who's seen a little a little bit. So first of all, can you just unpack just a little bit more? Like your bio kind of gave us an idea, but what's that core problem that you solve for businesses? Um, we always have a lot of different problems, but right now the main, the main core problem is educating business owners and entrepreneurs on what it takes to actually run a business efficiently and successfully without any problems with any agencies, federal, state, or, you know, or anything negative. So you keep everybody fair, square, and legal? Uh, in many different ways, believe it or not. So, uh, I mean, I keep everybody scaling. I keep everybody, you know, creating new revenue streams, new cash flow streams, uh, keeping cash fl- cash in their bank account. That's a big one. As you grow, as you have a business. Uh, and as we do that, making sure they're compliant, because what I like I was telling you at the beginning, you know, I started my business with the core service of fractional CFO accounting, because that's basically my background. But as as I was working towards with entrepreneurs and small business owners, I realized that they are also having troubles in compliance. So then I incorporated legal formation. I incorporated human resources, payroll. Then I noticed that they were not paying their taxes and I incorporated tax filing. So it's a lot of, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of everything, right? I want to make sure that uh, 
business owners have the opportunity to create a business that they are successful. And I always tell them, you know, if we can make this business to grow to a point that we can sell it or we can go an IPO or acquisition, because at the end of the day, that's exciting to me, right? Making yeah. sure that I'm part of the journey. Yeah, that's what drives me. So, yeah. So basically, that's what we do. We do a lot of different core functions now. Yeah, I love that. And that's a lot of what drives um like my employer branding work is that M&A world of, um, you know, we just got funded. Now we got to figure it all out. We have to have more operational efficiencies with our human capital, even if they're winning and their employee engagement scores are good and their time to fill isn't terrible. It can always be better. And it's all about optimizing when you're trying to, you know, meet the expectation of, of investors, or if you're trying to attract investors for your next round and things like that. So, um, I love that we have that commonality of like, I I don't know for you, but for me, it's kind of the buzz. It's like the excitement. It's like everybody's under pressure, so they have to do it. There's no convincing. Like, we're here. Let's get it done now. <laughs> and I see a lot of great opportunities, Amber, like uh, like my clients that are bootstrapped and they don't have any outside you know, capital coming in. And I stay landing my lap and I'm like, OK, guys, I know you have never not thought about this, but can we go in acquisition? Can we sell your company? Can we please IPO because you have so revenue is increasing month over month like it's a very appealing company you know so those are the things that excite me and when i see those opportunities i you know with the network that i have for example i have you in my network now i have a few banks and vcs in my network as well i have it you know so we can come in together and help you get to that level in a few years that's what excites me yeah so you're a little bit of a conductor of the orchestra like here's what we offer and then here are all the other pieces that we need to play in harmonious uh concert to make this happen for you <laughs> yes to get those dollar dollar bills y'all that's what it's about okay so one of the things that caught my eye when i was looking over your materials and stuff is that um you have a way of helping businesses avoiding going broke fast and the reality is a lot of businesses fail. Yeah, oh. correct. So how do you I stop? Be, yeah, I've been part of that too. I've had those, I've been part of those businesses where the balance sheet was, uh, it was hard to restructure, right? So they, they were, they went broke. How do you stop that? So it really depends on the industry and where they are right now. Currently, I mean, when you look at a balance sheet, you know, and you see exactly who owns the company, you can see a lot, right? It's an investor that owns the company. So there's so many loans that they have, right? Like who, it, it, where is the owner now in this company? Uh, and that is what growing broke fast means, right? Not making, don't grow fast based on debt. Don't grow fast based on other people's money. You you got to make sure that you're actually building the foundation of a company of all the values and of all the brand, you know, you're in brand that all of the tangible and intangible assets of a company that will keep you growing without debt, without other people's money. So that's what I like to bring is create that enterprise value slowly because it is a process. It's not overnight. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to turn around a ship. That's for sure. So what are some of those challenges? Because like, let's be real, most entrepreneurs don't have a formal MBA. Most entrepreneurs just pretty much were unemployable or they got downsized or they had an idea and then they're like, oh, no, like I've got this whole monster now that I'm responsible for. And, you know, there is a lot of imposter syndrome. There's all kinds of things going on. Um, 
and then some people get the education that they need, whether it's on YouTube or courses or coaching or working with somebody like you, where you are helping them, but also mentoring them through the process. But what are like, so what are like the three biggest challenges that you see from your side of things that entrepreneurs face? Uh, definitely. Well, I mean, poor decision making, right? That's that's definitely one. And why do they do poor decision making is because they don't have access to to the data that they need or they don't understand the data that they have and they don't or they don't hire the right people uh, to explain the data to them. So poor decision making cash flow, like I said, cash flow is a huge one. It's always a big driver of of poor decision making. Uh, it's always a driver of where am I going to how am I going to scale? And believe it or not, an intangible one, a very intangible one is ego. People that don't really listen to other people. That's a huge problem. A challenge that I have is it's dealing with clients that have a lot of ego. I mean, I can only do so much. I mean, I am not the owner of a company. I can right. tell you, I can suggest you, I can advise you, I can give you the data, give you the numbers. At the end of the day, you are the decider of your company. But not being able to see, not be able to understand and just go because of ego and act because of ego, that's a big one as well. And a lot of the companies that I've seen bankrupt is because of ego, because they don't want to they don't want to say uh, we're going bankrupt. So I'm going to continue going, making, getting more loans or getting more investors money and presenting wrong financials because, you know, they're not really asking. They're not doing their due diligence. That's a big problem as well, Amber. Investors not doing their due diligence. That's a huge one. Do your due diligence, please, if you're giving money. <laughs> Because I see it from both ways, you know, and those are the company. I wouldn't invest in a company where they have $200,000 in AP there and, and they have like $600,000 in AR and they're not collecting on that. Like, come on, guys, do your due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of that, too. So I've got probably several people listening right now in the vacation rental industry and an enormous amount of private money has just flooded that industry. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't know if that private equity firm really understood what they were wrapping their arms around there. And I don't know if the if the company that's getting funded really has a plan of action for the money that they that they're getting. And so they scramble and they they like ramp up their hiring but with no end game. So now they've got like this now they have human capital that's really an expense and not an asset and things get super heavy and then they're not driving the revenue and then they have the pressure from the, the, you know, investors. And then it's just like kind of this big stress ball. Do you find yourself walking into those situations? A hundred percent. Actually, one of the first things that I do when I walk into a company, I look at, um, you know, their headcount. I want to make sure that they're making at least 250 to 500 K per head, believe it or not. That is a healthy number in a healthy organization, at least 250 K per head. And if they're not, if they're making less than that, I uh, will suggest, unfortunately, I am part of those conversations where I will have to suggest a few cut downs of people. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm not proud to say it, but it, it comes with my territory. And that's exactly what I need to do to make a company healthy. Because to me, the end, the end, my end game is making you healthy company, make your EBITDA look better, make your EBITDA <laughs> look appealing for investors. You know, I mean, that measures you up how you're operating uh, your managerial skills as a business owner. Yeah. So I make, yeah. But yeah. so, I mean, you can obviously EBITDA is driving a lot these days, but the way that I look at it, because you're saying like, unfortunately I'm part of that, but I'm saying it's, I mean, it's never a good thing to let people go, but it is a better thing to let somebody go with some runway and give them a chance to find, you know, help them mm -hmm. find their 
easy than for a lot of people to be let go because you're not trimming the fat that you can't afford. And it might, they might be perfectly needed and your company might need their gifts and they could contribute, but not if you can't, not if you can't afford it or tie it to, you know, very quickly creating revenue. Like if, if it's not like a business dev, biz dev person, if it's support, it's, I mean, it's a cost, right? Like, otherwise you, I, we could get into this. Most of my bombshells are probably a little less interesting. So I'm going to move the conversation along, but you and I know like there's, there's like a, there's an output that you have to get and if you don't have the revenue and the, and the numbers and everything that you need to have that support sustaining that, then you can't have the support. That's just what it is. It all comes down to revenue, right? Like what you were saying, if it, when you are hiring someone, that's part of going broke fast. It's the same concept. Not only getting loans, not only, no, it's also about making the wrong decision of hiring 10 people because you're thinking you're going to make a 20x the amount of revenue, but you really are not. You need to really make sure that you have a, a plan in place and hitting each revenue goal number. And then once you hit those revenue goals, start thinking about what is the next step, right? What is the next step for scaling? Not just, I'm going to hire everybody and then I'm going to, like Twitter, let's not... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know, right? <laughs> what are all these people doing again? Well, and I, I think it's good, you know, the, um, what is the book about the bakery, um, the E-Myth, you know, way the if you're an entrepreneur and you haven't read the E-Myth, you need to read the E-Myth. It's a story. Um, it teaches you a lot of business principles, but it's not like a boring business book, which I personally love, but I realize not everybody loves boring business books. So this is a story, but it really talks about like creating that org chart and looking at like who, what, positions are required. And then if you're a solopreneur at that point, then that means your CEO, your CFO, your CTO, your COO, like <laughs> your marketing, your all these things, your name is in all of those buckets. And then it's like, okay, now that I've made this amount of revenue, that's my goal. And now I can replace myself in that part of the org chart with somebody else safely, securely, securely, knowing that we've got the money to pay for that and, you know, consistent revenue to cover that salary. I mean, would that be a fair? For everybody, for the owner, for the company and for the employee. Very yeah. fair. Yeah. So what are, I know you, you work with some early stage startups. Um, and I know that we, we get a lot of those in this audience because they want to learn how to do, how to, how to do business. So they listen to the bombshell business podcast. What are some of the essential tactics that you see those early stage, uh, companies needing to pursue? Uh, well, definitely. I mean, if they're depending on the industry, if they're in e-commerce, you know, make sure you're building on the brand, brand reputation, brand image. Uh, a lot of my portfolio, a lot of the companies in my portfolio are in e-commerce and a lot of them want to go to retail distribution right away, straight from the bat. Uh, and if you are that person, if you are that company, just slow down the train a little bit, build that brand, build a DTC consumer base, and then send them to Target, send them to Walmart. Don't do it the other way around because I've seen a lot of companies also go bankrupt because of that strategy. So just just make sure that, you know, it's just early stage companies have to be very careful when it comes to what next step to take because of cash flow. Cash flow is the biggest and the most important concept a company needs to have at a very early stage. And for that, even if you have to go by yourself and do a weekly cash flow plan yourself, even to just very simple one, just to track down what your net burn is, your because if you do it in your head, you you will forget stuff. It's, it will never happen. It will never be tangible enough, factual enough, dependable enough. You have to do it in a spreadsheet and just record it every day, every week, 
and make sure that you're hitting all those marks. And then also make sure that you're hitting your revenue goals because otherwise you will go negative. You can go bankrupt. You will lose your business. Um, those, those, I think that that's very important. And you know, Amber, because you've seen a lot of early stage companies, cash flow. Also, compliant is a big one. Uh, I feel like a lot of business owners, they think, I'm going to do a business. Woo, let's do it. And then, okay, so what's, what do we need to make a business? Like, make sure you're not having the California, age, uh, you know, unemployment or payroll or EDD coming after you. I've seen some stories where contractors, you know, say that they were employees and then uh, they get paid thousands and thousands of dollars under unemployment and then the company gets charged. But guess what? It's because you didn't have your ducks in a row. You probably that person should have been in payroll. Just make sure that you're covering your basis um, because I think companies go bankrupt because employees sue them. Just yeah. make sure as well yeah. you have a business, an employee handbook. You know, you have an HR, someone like, after, you know, taking care of your company because you can lose a business really quick like that. Yeah. Uh, compliance is big. Re- cash flow management. I think those will be the, the big, the, mo- the most important points. Yeah. I always tell people there's three, three areas that need to be happy in your business. You need to have a happy bank account. You need to have happy customers and you need to have happy employees. And if you can make all three of those areas happy, you're in good shape. But in the in the money department, you're I mean, you're talking about compliance. You're talking about the government. You're talking about taxes. You're talking about, you know, like, you know, in in vacation rental, it's trust accounting. There's lots of different like, you know, if you're in finance, there's different ways of doing it there. Like, make sure you're doing it correctly. And I know it's such a it's an intimidating thing. I know in Tennessee, I paid like seven different taxes it's confusing. And if you don't know that you're supposed to pay that tax, like, cause they don't, no one is like, Oh, would you like to start a business? Well, what kind of business would you like to start? Here's all the different forms you have to fill out with the state of Tennessee and good luck. We're going to guide you along the way. No, you have to figure it out. It's on you. (laughs) So I get that that's overwhelming. So you have that side of things. Then you have your customers. Well, there's things you can get in trouble with your customers as well with advertising or, you know, not um, uh, talking about the ingredients or the type of fabric. Like in California, you better have everything. You know what I mean? Like it's there's things you can get in trouble with there. And then with your employees too, like you said. I mean, I've been a part of a huge um, Department of Labor audit. Oh wow, that sounds fun. You don't want to be a part of that. I'm just telling you right <laughs> no. now, it ain't fun. It ain't cheap. Um, <gasps> So yeah, you have to know, is this person a contractor? Is this person an employee? What does that mean? And then yeah. if you're an employee, then, you know, there, what are your laws in your state? Like, there's just a lot. Like, business isn't like, oh, I've got an idea. I want to start a boutique. Let's go. Like, there is a lot. There's a lot of, I mean, that is the fun part. You know, that's why I created my business to to help you with the non-fun, the fun <laughs> part, right? And for me, that's fun. I'm like, check. It's done. Check. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to send you a personality assessment because I've got I've got my bets on you. Um, Let's talk about accounting, because that's, you know, and if I'm being honest, so I have I have a CPA, I have a bookkeeper and I have a payroll manager. So I've got all these people, but I'm still responsible for my own. Like, I need to be aware of what's happening in my own business. I can't just be like, they've got it. It's fine. So I have practices that I have, but I hate them, girl. I hate doing it. I hate it. I hate every, it is like pulling teeth. I do it because I'm a responsible business owner, but I hate it. So what is poor accounting to oh, you? Oh, okay. So, yeah. So 
Core. Oh my God. Believe it or not, I've rescued a lot of uh, clients from CPAs as well because they they do not know how to do really good accounting. Yeah. Uh, for me, good accounting is basically making sure that it mirrors your business model. Like if you're selling subscriptions in your website and you're creating a financial in your whatever accounting software you're using, all based on cash flow, you're not really measuring margins. You're not really measuring what kind of subscription plan is, is selling better than the other one. Uh, what kind of revenue, when is the revenue recognized according to a subscription model? Because you're only recognizing according to when it comes to the bank. Right. So that to me is very bad accounting because it doesn't really give you the data, the insights that you need to operate your business efficiently. You're basically just mirroring a bank account, the activity of a bank account, the activity of a credit card. It really does that you're not really mirroring your business model. So that's a very basic one. Uh, and then, I mean, obviously there's more to it, like, you know, not being on payroll is poor accounting. So, I mean, gl I'm glad you are on payroll, right? Because there is no separation of owner and, and business. And then sometimes, I don't know, depending on your business structure, you can end up paying 15.3% of self-employment taxes on your profits. That's a lot of money, uh, you know, because you don't have the employer, the employer covering your taxes. That's Another practice that I would say it's it's bad accounting. Another one would be, you know, just using your business account and, and as a personal account and just pay everything on the business account. Really bad practice. <laughs> yeah. And I think like that's just a blurred line for people that I don't get at all. Like I'm like, no. And maybe it's just that fear of. I mean, being a young single mom and like just wanting, I'm, I'm a risk prone person. I am a rule breaker, but there are red rules, my friend, and there are blue rules and the blue rules. Those are like suggestions. That's like guidelines for people who need to know what to do. I'm going to break those rules probably most of the time, but the red rules are going to cost me money or legal. Like those, I don't break. Like there's clear delineation there. That's, that's how I would look at it anyways. <laughs> I, oh, I love that. I, do you have yellow rules? Do you have somewhere in between? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, maybe there is. <laughs> maybe the yellow rules are the ones that I follow, not because I want to, but I know it will impact other people and they'll have to deal with my BS. Yeah. <laughs> I follow them, so maybe that's the yellow. Yeah. I maybe. love that system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm definitely a self-proclaimed rule breaker, but then I say that and I'm like, but there are some rules that even I will follow. So, so let's talk about quiet quitting has been a big buzz term in, in all business. So what does that mean for, for a business? And like, how do you deal with that? Oh my God. The industry right now is crazy. The workforce industry. I don't think I've ever seen something like this, honestly. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I was an employee, because I was an employee for many, many years, I didn't know you, you know, you could get away with a lot of things. Uh, I definitely, definitely did not work the system the way I probably could have. Yeah, but, but you're now you work and I'm a hard worker. So we're like, yes, we the week. isn't that what everybody does? Like, <laughs> Exactly. I was like, oh, I just have to work. Hard. I just love working hard. I get a lot of satisfaction of it. But that's what quiet quitting is, is basically not is working the 20%, you know, and and getting paid the 100%. And it's because the, the workforce is so bad. And why is quiet quitting? Because employees' values are not aligned with the company values, right? That's that's the biggest one, I think. Uh, or because they're not getting challenged or because, you know, they're probably st everybody's starting a business on the side. Maybe that's another reason. Uh, or because they're not getting paid. Actually, no, pay salary payment is actually the least factor of quiet quitting, believe it or not. It's more about value set, challenge, 
dissatisfaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, correct. And that's why we've, you know, just doubled down on employer brand central is that is an area just like you step in and you do, you help leadership with the areas that they think suck. Well, a lot of leadership don't know how to engage employees. They don't know how to inspire employees. They know how to run a PL or they know how to like, you know, make the business model work or, you know, operational excellence, but motivating human beings based on their innate needs and what drives them, not everybody's jam. So like, you know, we just love going in and systematizing that so anybody can do it and get the maximum out of their, their team, which, and I don't mean to say that like, let's just squeeze everything out of your employees. No, I want you to provide an environment and the opportunity for that human being who has their own gifts, their own talents, their own experience to plug that into something that makes them feel valued because they're contributing to something greater than themselves. If they can do that, you're going to get whatever you want out of them. I mean, not every whatever you want, but you know what I mean? Like you're going to get a high output from somebody who's satisfied. You and I are that way because we love what we do. We All don't right. When we wake up in the morning, nobody needs to motivate us. We just, let's go. Not everybody's wired like us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to motivate people. And people are motivated by different factors, right? Some of them want to be feel more, you know, respected, more like they're a partner in the organization. Some of them just want to, you know, make sure that they're learning more, continuous learning and education and development. So finding that motivation is really important when you hire employees. And actually, there is a, there is a tool when you're hiring. It's very quite expensive, but if you do have the budget for it, uh, it's called Wonderlet. And uh, I would suggest if you're hiring people, it actually is very, a huge, very complex assessment that basically matches you, the personality to the position. That's another one, right? What happens if you, if people are un- misaligned with yes. the career as well? Yeah. And we don't know it, right? We don't know it. Maybe somebody would be better at, you know, I've, I don't know, architect or something, design, creativity, but they're doing something like me, right? completely misaligned yeah and that and that tool will tell you that if the candidate is misaligned for the position that you have yeah priorly to make that hiring we use a psychoanalytic tool that measures the innate needs in a work environment and then that determines like what drives their behavior because it doesn't like for me you don't want me doing anything monotonous anything stuck behind a desk where i don't get to talk to anybody like that is a total mystery i'm going to be bored and i'm going to leave you but if you give me something where there's lots of competing priorities i get to have like my thumbprint on things i get to have a say so i get to lead i get to be around other people i don't have to follow a tight rule book i can be innovative i can kind of like play outside of the box then you've got me but i'm a top performer i know that i am i'm the worst boss in the world. I'm very hard on myself, but <laughs> but if you don't plug me in the right way, I'm not going to be because I'm going to be miserable. It's just that easy. And there's tools now, there's science, there's data. I love that you keep going back to like, well, you have to have the data. That's how I feel about people data. Yeah. How do you perform the strategy if you don't have data to support it? Like you're just guessing. Yeah, correct. And then you're making really bad decisions and that's how you're going to end your business. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But that's also why you and I have businesses. So like, I have those problems for a while anyway, until you could come in and fix them. Um, so you started out as a fractional CFO and I know what that means, but what is that? What does that mean to you? And is that something you still offer? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. It's still a core service. Uh, actually, people call me now business manager. I don't even know. 
Uh, it's, it's like what I was telling you before, you know, I'm just, I started this company and now we're going with the flow and the flow is taking me in many different directions and business manager is one of them, apparently. Yeah. So uh, I do a lot. We know, we're a very hand-holding agency. Everybody that's part of my team knows that. Uh, I really, we're not the kind of company that you're going to email me and then will be through email the whole time. No, I'm texting my clients or texting me. We're calling each other at 9 p.m. I mean, I do put boundaries. I do have boundaries. However, I'm very hand-holding. And what a CFO is, is basically that. I'm basically your business coach, your finance coach, your all kinds of coach, strategy coach. And I can help you in a lot of different ways. Uh, I can help you manage your your finances internally for your businesses. And now, now as a business manager, I guess, personally as well, uh, I can help you, you know, develop a strategy for growth and adhere to the strategy, create some key performance metrics to make sure that you're, you know, meeting those, that strategy, those goals uh, through quarters or monthly or, you know, yearlies as well. We do forecasting, we do variance analysis, we basically compared, you know, what the actual is against your forecasted numbers. And then we reassess. I mean, those are the day to day. I have clients that are fundraising. I support them on their fundraising activities with VCs, investors, with investor decks, performance, sitting in the meetings. I see them with them in the board. I mean, it's just the whole scope of a lot of different activities. But, yeah, I yeah. love that. Well, even just saying forecasting, because like even in your basic like personal budget, you should be able to look back and be like, this is what I thought we were going to spend last month. This is what we actually spent last month in these various categories. So if we look back at the last three months, we've been over budget and gas and groceries. So it's reasonable to anticipate that we're going to be more than that. So maybe we need to allocate more funds and that, you know, line item of the budget. Like we can do it in our personal, but for some reason, women especially get all wound up when it comes to their business. And it's the same thing, right? I mean, like- It's the same, know. it's the same concept. It's yeah. the same concept, but uh, more organized. I more organized, say. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with a few more pitfalls that are potential if you don't get it right. So <laughs> well, it sounds like um, I would, I would definitely, agree that you are more of like a business manager, like a fractional business manager, or a, um, what are they calling them? A, a virtual business manager. And that, that integrator role is really important. And I, you know, I talk about it a lot it, that if you have, if you're a visionary business owner and you like the big picture and day-to-day -day ops just makes you want to, you know, crawl into a hole you need an integrator and in the book out of the eos system the entrepreneurial operating system is called um, rocket fuel and that's when you get that visionary who can stay like real big picture look into the future create those big strategic partnerships be the rallying point cast the vision let that person be that person new product development and then you bring in the integrator that's operationally efficient that takes the the dreams and the visions of the visionary and then either says no you can't do that it doesn't make sense that's not profitable or we don't have the bandwidth to do that or we don't have the human capital to carry that plan out but let's put it in the parking lot or they say okay let me have that i'm going to put the process behind this i'm going to get the people behind it and we're going to drive this forward if you let the visionary do it like me we're going to get 80 percent of the way there every single day and it's going to be groundhog day we're never going to get it over the over the the end zone and so i just really respect what you do because it's not who i am and and the value that you offer is so extreme 
to a business owner who tends to be way up here in the sky, I have to imagine that brings you a lot of satisfaction. Oh, you have no idea. I really wake up when when I work with, you know, with visionaries like yourself and I kind of like railed them in basically. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to, I love that you're here, but we're going to, let's create a plan. And, and uh, you know, I, I have those customers, you know, like, good, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I'm like, okay, okay, but let's put it on the plan. Let me do my mythology. I need to make sure we're doing it correctly. And then we look at the big picture together and then make all those strategy moves together. And that makes me a lot of satisfaction because at least they have me as a partner and they they appreciate it. They say, thank you so much because you're actually watching for my business. You're not letting me run around making all these decisions without actually looking at the data and see how we're going to be in the next few months or in the next year, right? Because that's we look very ahead. We want to make sure that we're okay for the next year at least. Yeah. And because that... Because it depends a lot of people, right? Like the the business owner has family, they have kids, they have wife, they have husbands, they have, you know, and a bad decision on your business because the business is you, no matter how big the business, the business is you, you depend on that business success. You so, know, I, yeah. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, no. So just to put it together, you know, it brings a lot of satisfaction to make sure that people, businesses are, are being successful. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that being a teen mom taught me so many things, so many things, um, lots of learned behaviors of things that are not naturally in my DNA. But the other thing that I learned as a woman, as a child, truly, um, which I'm not certain, maybe this generation of woman is, is, but not like I'm Gen X, I'm 43. And we weren't taught to be providers, um, and yet 50% of America is divorced. And so you do have a lot of single women, um, providing or, you, or you're married and you're still one of the providers or the key provider or whatever, but being a teen mom and not having any support, it made me savagely committed and ethically responsible for creating opportunity for my daughter. It wasn't like, oh, I want to be successful because of my ego or I have a certain dollar I want to hit because that will make me feel good about myself. No, it is an ethical responsibility to be a provider to the child that I have been entrusted with. And so when I look at my business, I feel an ethical obligation to sustain the the revenue so that I can create the income. I just ran payroll yesterday. I get so happy when I do that. Like, I don't see it as money flittering out of the business. I'm like, I'm so happy that I can create incomes for these people. Like, it's such a great feeling to do that. But you just have to have your mind shift around like, this is what I have to do. And this is what I get to do. Yeah, 100%. Actually, that you said that. I'm glad you shared that story because uh, I was the daughter of a, of a single mom, you know, in Honduras. And I saw her struggle so many my whole life. Like, that was so empowering to me because I'm like, oh my God, is, I saw the struggle of a single mother. And that's exactly why I created this company because I want to be that umbrella for a lot of other single women. You know, I want to be the support uh, a lot of single mothers, right, that are out there that don't know that they have a business and they're doing it for the same reasons as you created your business for your daughter, for your teenage daughter. I want to be able to be that partner for them. That's exactly where I want to be heading with my company. And we do have a lot of those bi female business entrepreneurs, owners in my portfolio as well. Uh, and I created this company to give me that security before I even have kids as well. Because I don't think I don't think I can be, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I saw my mother struggle for my, my whole life. 
I want to make sure that I am financially stable before I bring someone into this world and say, I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. I want them to have the best opportunities they have as you want with your daughter. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, you get called a workaholic and all those things because mediocrity is just rampant in the world. And it's like, okay, well you do you over there and you, you just have all that work-life balance that you feel like you need. And if you're happy, good for you, not for me. Like I'm going to come over here. I'm going to kick butt. And that feels good to me. So thanks for your, thanks for your feedback. (laughs) So, okay. Alejandra, you're just like amazing, first of all, but I just, I love, you know, before I ask you my final question that I ask everyone, um, I love that you, first of all, came from a more difficult background, that you educated yourself, that you've traveled, that you've tried different things, that you've gotten into a lot of different business models, that you study, and 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 then now you're able to take all of that and pour into other businesses so that you can help them be that provider and be that change maker and to help solve the problems of their customers and help provide income to their employees. I mean, it's just such a beautiful story that you have. So since you are such a boss, um, my final question is what, what parting piece of advice, like what is that big piece of advice that you just want any bombshell, a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman in business? What does she need to know according to you? Um, okay. Big advice. Do not stop for anyone. Ah. Um, <laughs> that's the biggest one I could I'm in a very male, white male dominated industry and I get, you know, I am in those meetings and I get talked over and, you know, it disrespect and who cares? I stand strong. I speak loud and I continue with my groove and with who I am. Do not do not deny your personality just because you're in a different room. You are who you are and that's your job to be who you are, wherever you are with grace and confident. And that would be my big piece of advice, because at the end of the day, Amber, when you create a business, right, you need you need to create it according to your values and according to what you really want to create in this world. But also you need to make sure that you are following, acting with confidence the whole way, the whole way, because what you have, what you are, what you're creating is a lot to offer in this world. Mm-hmm. And who cares who's in that room? And who cares that they don't share your opinion and your values and your thoughts or your personality? It doesn't matter. So just be who you are and continue working hard, confident. That would be my big piece of advice from a woman, Latina, in a very white male dominated industry. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Oh, they don't even know. I mean, they think they, yeah, they just don't know, but it's okay. They're not all bad. They're not all bad, but um, they're uh, even some of the good ones, just they don't understand the dynamic and and what it feels like to be on the other side of that because they've just never had to be. So, we love our bombshell boys. I know if you're listening to this or if you're watching this on YouTube, you're an enlightened and amazing advocate and partner, um, but not everybody's like you, my friends. So um, I really appreciate everything that you've offered today. I'm so glad that I've met you. Um, I know we can find you on LinkedIn. Um, so we'll put that in the show notes. I really, I say it every single episode get on LinkedIn, ladies. Come on. That's where we do business. Um, on Facebook, your startup tandem and on Instagram, your startup tandem and um, your startup tandem.com. If anybody wants to explore doing business with you, right? A hundred percent. So you can, you know, um, uh, my phone number is on the website, just to let you guys know. So you can call me, text me. Uh, Lincoln is another, like you said, 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, we're, we're everywhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a fun website too. I love the um, the bike on there for the tandem. Yeah, it's, it's a good visual. I love it. So. so let me just give you a little bit just briefly. So startup tandem basically means, you know, tandem partnership. And we grow as you grow. That's basically the whole matter between the company. But what is really cool about it is that it's not just us, the team. There's a lot of businesses that we work with that we're actually alliances and partners together where we can actually negotiate really good pricing for any of their services. And uh, that's the value that we bring to a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners that you can come to us. And from us, you get connected to a whole different network of individuals that can help you grow your business. That's amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts and your experience on the show today. It's It's been a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, Amber. Thank you so much for sharing your story as well and for bringing me on board. For sure. All right, Bombshell. Um, I hope that you really took some notes on that one. It's super important to have your arms wrapped around your business. And if you don't, then I highly recommend that you just go check out Startup Tandem and see if maybe that's a service that works for you. And, you know, I, I don't ever want to turn any of our episodes into a commercial, but this is just one of those areas where I also see a lot of businesses flail and struggle and they don't get to do what they want. And so I am going to make this a little bit of a commercial because you need her and her team. Um, if you're if you're insecure about your business operations or your finances, or if you're a startup um, and you just don't know what to do yet, you need to go visit this website. And also, I would love, love, love if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcast listening app that you prefer or like and subscribe on YouTube. Share this episode with somebody that is so key. Um, the bombshell community is not one that bounces around and high fives each other and calls each other girl boss. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that we're just too busy for that. We're just like really powerful, like gritty, savage women getting stuff done. So that's just not a part of this. But what is, is quietly telling another woman, hey, I listened to this and I thought of you and I think it can help you. And that way we can lift everybody up when we all collectively do that. So with that, thank you so much for taking your precious time to listening. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out thebombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.